Hello, and welcome to Infinite Cast Part 2, Inherent Cast Part 3. Part 3? Maybe or we're on four? 4. I think we're maybe on 4, yes. Oh boy, gotta feel like I know. We're, we're, tr- we're really, really trying to uh, <laughs> to get back in the groove of like doing this regularly. Uh, sorry, it's slow going. Uh, w- to be honest, we've been fucking busy. <laughs> It's a. It's not a relaxed California lifestyle. It's, it's a, a constant stream of uh, appointments and uh, yes. um, rearrangements, meetings, procurements. And, yeah, it's a whole meetings. Thing. Uh, you, you don't upheavals, need to know that. Um, dislocations, <laughs> explorations, uh, deconstructions, conflagrations, deconstructions. I just ripped apart an entire um, huge Home Depot cardboard box that fits a large flat screen TV with my bare hands. Yes. It took me like 15 minutes. I had to turn it into confetti. You know, the artist Dash Snow. Yes. He, he had a thing called hamstering. Yes. Where he would like rip up a bunch of phone books and stuff and turn a, a, a room into like a cardboard lined drug pit. That's yes. what I was doing, but without the, without the drugs. Uh, I had a giant box to deconstruct and I took it apart in about two, two and a half seconds, but I'm just built different. You are, you are literally built different. I am. I'm hitting the gym again. I'm going to try to build my strength back up. Soon enough, you'll have the strength to, to rip cardboard, one, one sheet of cardboard apart. I'm going to the world's stupidest gym, so it might take a while, but it's fine. Anyway, I had a bit that I want to, yes, let's start. Uh, uh, I was talking about a, a C, a C cure, C cure. Uh, you know, when you go to the ocean, yes. uh, when you're like in a Victorian time uh, and you have like tuberculosis or something. And I just think it'd be funny to just like go to the beach in L.A., like Venice Beach, but dress like a Victorian woman. Yeah, like all and wrapped bring up. a chair, like a lounge chair and just like sit out there and like, yeah, wrapped up in a blanket and just stare at the with like a high collar and one of those little yes. um, picture locket things. Yes. A cameo, I yes. believe they call it. What do you think? Uh, and with your hair wistfully. and a poof? What? And sigh wistfully. Sigh wistfully. Maybe read some Austin. And maybe journal. Journal. Yeah. Or write letters. Just a DIY C cure. Yeah. C cure. I think letter writing would be the, the thing to do there. Yeah. But then your letter, uh, a sea breeze blows your letter out of your hand and it uh, blows up to a young surfer dude. And he's like, where, why is this lady time traveling? Oh, God. <laughs> you just surf har- highlights really got, on, on, really got gnarly fast. Chris put on a surf highlight reel and there's someone showing his like mangled hand. Yeah, just a giant wound. Ah! Someone's getting loaded into a stretcher. What wow, kind of highlights is, are these? This is a, this is a lot more intense than the tennis. Jesus highlights. Christ! All right, I feel like right, we need to start reading. It, let's so get into I, the book. Yeah, I wasn't in the in the bucket for injuries, but yeah. whatever. These sort of highlights C, rated R. This is not a C cure. This is a C for radical. <laughs> oh no, these waves are too big. Can you can you do like can you do um like ten hours easy waves, bitch waves. <laughs> Bitch okay, let's wave. see. All right, start reading. I'll see if I can get like uh, relaxing surfing highlights. All right. As we remember, uh, Bigfoot just tried to. We'll do. We'll do the thing the at bit, the end. At yes. the end, but Bigfoot just tried to um, recruit Doc to become like an undercover cop, and uh, Doc was like, yes. "Absolutely not." Here we go. At the office next day, Doc was listening to the stereo with his head between the speakers and almost (laughs) missed the diffident ring of the princess phone he'd found at a swap meet in Culver City. It was Tariq Khalil. I didn't do it. It's okay. But I didn't. Nobody said you did. Fact, they thought for a while it was me. Man, I'm really sorry about Glenn. Tariq was quiet for so long that Doc thought he'd hung up. I will be too, he said finally, when I get a minute to think about it. Right now, I'm conveying my ass out of the area. 
If Glenn was a target, then so am I. I would say in spades, but you folks do get offended so easy. <laughs> is there some place I can better not be in no contact? This is not some bunch of fools like the LAPD. This is some heavy ass motherfuckers. And if you don't mind a piece of free advice, yeah, care in motion, as Sidney Omar always says in the paper. Well, you too. Hasta luego, white man. Doc rolled a number and was just about to light up when the phone rang again. This time, it was Bigfoot. So we sent some police academy hotshot over to the last known address of Shasta Faye Hepworth, just a routine visit, and guess what? Ah, fuck no, not this. Oh, I'm sorry, am I upsetting you? Relax, all we know at this point is that she's disappeared too. Yes, just like her boyfriend Mickey. Isn't that odd? Do you think there could be a connection? Like maybe they ran off together? Bigfoot, can we at least try to be professional here? So I don't have to start calling you names like, I don't know, mean-spirited little shit, something <laughs> like that. You're right. It's the Federals I'm really annoyed with, and I'm taking it out on you. You're apologizing, Bigfoot? Ever known me to? Um, if anything does occur to you about where they, so sorry, she might have gone, you will share that, won't you? There was an ancient superstition at the beach, something like the surfer belief that burning your board will bring awesome waves. And it went like this. Take a zigzag paper and write on it your dearest wish and then use it to roll a joint of the best dope you can find and smoke it all up and your wish would be granted. Attention and concentration were also said to be important, but most of the dopers Doc knew tended to ignore that part. <laughs> the wish was simple. Just that Shasta Faye be safe. The dope was some Hawaiian product Doc had been saving, although at the moment he couldn't remember for what. He lit up. About the time he was ready to transfer the roach to a roach clip, the phone rang again, and he had one of those brief lapses where you forget <laughs> how to pick up the receiver. Hello, said a young woman's voice after a while. Oh, did I forget to say that first? Sorry, this isn't, <laughs> no, of course it wouldn't be. I got your number from Ensenada Slim at that head shop in Gordita Beach. It's about my husband. He used to be close to a friend of yours, Shasta Faye Hepworth. All right. And your Hope Harlingen. I was wondering how your caseload's looking at the moment. My, oh, professional term. Sure, where are you? It turned out to be an address in Outer Torrance, between Walteria and the airfield, a split level with a pepper tree by the driveway and a eucalyptus out back, and a distant view of thousands of small Japanese sedans overflowed from the main lot on Terminal Island, obsessively arranged on vast expanses of blacktop and destined for auto agencies across the desert southwest. Uh, TVs and stereos spoke uh, from up and down the streets. The trees of the neighborhood sifted the air green. Small airplanes went purring overhead. In the kitchen hung a creeping fig in a plastic pot. Vegetable stock simmered on the stove. <laughs> Hummingbirds out on the patio poised, vib poised vibrating in the air with their beaks up inside the bougainvillea and honeysuckle blossoms. Doc, who had a chronic problem telling one California blonde from another, found an almost 100% classic specimen. Hair, tan, athletic grace, everything but the world-famous insincere smile, owing to a set of store-bought choppers which, though technically false, invited those she now uh, and then did smile at to consider what real and unamusing history might have put them there. Noticing Doc's stare, heroin, she pretended to explain, sucks the calcium out of your system like a vampire. Use it any length of time and your teeth go all to hell. Flower child to wasted derelict, zap like magic. And that's the good part. Keep it up long enough, well. 
She got up and start, started pacing. She was not a weeper, but she was a pacer, which Doc appreciated. It kept the information coming. There was a beat to it. A few months back, according to Hope, her husband, Coy Harlingen, had OD'd on heroin. As well as he could with a doper's memory, Doc recalled the name and even some story in the papers. Coy had played with the boards, a surf band who'd been together since the early 60s, now considered pioneers of electric surf music, and more recently working in a subgenre they like to call surfadelic. <laughs> surf- <laughs> surfadelic. <laughs> Surfadelic, which featured dissonant guitar tunings, peculiar modalities such as post-Dickdale Hijaz car, incomprehensibly screamed references to the sport, and the radical sound effects surf music has always been known for, vocal noises as well as feedback from guitars and wind instruments. Sounds like the OCs. It does sound like the OCs. Rolling Stone commented, the board's new album will make Jimi Hendrix want to listen to surf music again. Coy's own contribution to what the boards' producer had modestly termed their makaha of sound had been to hum through the reed of a tenor or sometimes alto sax, a harmony part alongside whatever melody he was playing, as if the instrument was some giant kazoo, this then being enhanced by Barkus Berry pickups and amplifiers. (laughs) His influences, according to rock rock critics who'd noticed, included Earl Bostick, Stan Getz, and legendary New Orleans studio tenor Lee Allen. Inside the surf sax category, Hope shrugged, Coy passed for a towering figure because he actually improvised once in a while instead of the way uh, second and even third choruses usually get repeated note for note. (laughs) Doc nodded uncomfortably. Don't get me wrong. I love surf music. I'm from its native land. I still have all those old beat-up singles, the Shantae's, the Trashmen, the Halibut's. But you're right. Some of the worst blues work ever recorded will be showing up on the karmic rap sheets of surf sax players. <laughs> it was never his work that I was in love with. She said it so matter-of-factly that Doc risked a quick scan for eyeball shine, but this one was not about to start in with the faucets of widowhood, or not yet. Meantime, she was running through some history. Coy and I should have met cute, with cuteness everywhere back then and all of it up for sale, but actually we met squalid down at Oscars in San Isidro. Oh, boy. Doc once or twice had been in and, through the mercy of God, out of the notorious Oscars right across the border from Tijuana, where the toilets were seething round the clock with junkies new and old who just scored in Mexico, put the product inside rubber balloons and swallowed them, then crossed back into the U.S. to vomit them back up again. I had just gone running into this one toilet stall without checking first, had my finger already down my throat, and there Coy sat, gringo digestion, about to take a gigantic shit, We both let go at about the same time, barf and shit all over the place. Me with my face in his lap and to complicated things, of course, he had this hard on. Well, even before we got to San Diego, we were shooting up together in the back of somebody's van. And less than two weeks later, on the interesting theory that two can score as cheaply as one, we got married. Next thing we knew, here came Amethyst, and pretty soon this is what we had her looking like. She handed Doc a couple of Polaroid baby pictures. He was startled at the baby's appearance swollen, red-faced, vacant. Having no idea of what kind of shape she was in at present, he felt his skin begin to ache with anxiety. Everybody we knew helpfully pointed out how the heroin was coming through in my breast milk, but who could afford to buy formula? My parents saw us locked into a dismal slavery, but Coy and I, all we saw was the freedom from that endless middle-class cycle of choices that are no choices at all. A world of hassle reduced to the one simple issue of scoring. 
And how was shooting up any different from the old folks and their dinner hour cocktails anyway, we figured. But actually, when did it ever get that dramatic? Heroin in California? My gracious. Stepped on so often it should have welcome written across every bag. There we were, happy and stupid as any drunk, giggling in out and out bathroom win- or bedroom windows, cruising straight world neighborhoods, picking out strange houses at random, asking to use the bathroom, going in and shooting up. Of course, now that's impossible to do. Charlie Manson and the gang have fucked that up for everybody. End of a certain kind of innocence, that thing about straight world people that <laughs> kept you from hating them totally, that real desire sometimes to help. No more of that, I guess. One more West Coast tradition down the toilet, along with 3% product anymore. And so this thing that happened to your husband, it wasn't California smack for sure. Coy wouldn't have made that mistake using the same amount without checking. Somebody had to have switched bags on him deliberately, knowing it would kill him. Who was the dealer? El Drano up in Venice. (laughs) Actually, Leonard, but everybody uses the anagram because he does have that sort of caustic personality, plus his effect on the finances and emotions of those close to him. Coy had known him for years. He swore up and down it was local heroin, nothing out of the ordinary. But what does a dealer care? Overdoses are good for business. Suddenly, herds of junkies are showing up at the door, convinced if it killed somebody, then it must be really good shit. And all they have to do themselves is be careful and not shoot quite so much. Doc became aware of a baby, or technically toddler, risen quietly from her nap, holding onto a door jam and watching them with a big expectant grin in which you could see some teeth already in. Hey, Doc said, you're that amethyst, ain't you? Yep, replied amethyst as if about to add, what's it to you? Bright-eyed and ready to rock and roll. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) there's a mosquito on my nose. She bore little resemblance to the junkie baby in the Polaroids. Whatever dismal fate had been waiting to jump her must have had a short attention span and turned aside and gone after somebody else. Nice to see you, Doc said. Really nice. Really nice, she said. Mom, want juice? You know where it is, juice girl. Amethyst nodded vigorously and headed out to the fridge. Ask you something, Doc? Long as it isn't, <laughs> long as it ain't the capital of South Dakota, sure. You know it? Bismarck. Is, is it? I thought that was North Dakota. Is it, is it Pierre? Pierre, South Dakota, maybe. Sound off in the comments. (laughs) Uh, This mutual friend you and Coy have had, is she like some kind of ex or were you just dating or who did Doc have to talk to about any of this that wasn't stone, jealous, or a cop? Amethyst had found a cup of juice waiting in the fridge and climbed up on the couch next to him, looking all set for a grown-up to tell her a story. Hope poured more coffee. There was too much kindness in the room all of a sudden. Doc had learned only a thing or two in the business, but one of them was kindness without a price tag came along only rarely, and when it did, usually it was too precious to accept, being too easy, for Doc anyway, to abuse, which he was bound to. So he settled for, well, sort of an ex, but now she's a client too. I promised her I'd do something, and I waited too long, so the party she ended up with, scumbag developer and all, could be in some bad trouble now, and if I'd just taken care of business... As one who's been down that particular exit ramp, Hope advised, you can only cruise the boulevards of regret so far, and then you've got to get back up on the freeway again. (laughs) Thing is, though, now Shasta's disappeared too, and if she's in trouble, Amethyst, realizing this wasn't going to be her idea of entertainment, climbed down off the couch, threw Doc a reproachful look over her juice, and went off into the next room to watch the tube. Soon they could hear Mighty Mouse's dramatic treble. If you're on this other case, Hope said, busy with it or something. I understand. But the reason I wanted to talk to you, and Doc saw it a half second before she said it, 
is I don't think Coy is really dead. Doc nodded, more to himself than to Hope. According to Sortilege, these were perilous times, astrologically speaking, for dopers, especially those of high school age who'd been born, most of them, under a 90-degree aspect, the unluckiest angle possible, between Neptune, the doper's planet, and Uranus, (laughs) the planet of rude surprises. (laughs) Doc had known it to happen that those left behind would refuse to believe that people they loved or even only took the same classes with were really dead. They came up with all kinds of alternate stories so it wouldn't have to be true. Some ex-old lady had hit town and they'd run away together. The emergency room had mixed them up with somebody else the way maternity wards switched babies around and they were still on some intensive care ward under another name. It was a particular kind of disconnected denial and Doc figured he'd seen enough by now to recognize it. Whatever Hope was showing him here wasn't it. Did you ID the body? He figured he could ask. No, that was one peculiar thing. Whoever called said somebody from the band already did it. I think it's supposed to be next of kin. Who called you? She had her diary from that period, and she remembered to write it down. Lieutenant Dubonnet. Oh, yeah, Pat Dubonnet. We've transacted one or two pieces of business. (laughs) Sounds like he ran you in. Not to mention over. She was giving him one of those looks. Sure, I had this hippie phase. Everything I really did, I got away with, and nothing they picked me up on uh, was ever my doing, because the only description they had was Caucasian male, long hair, beard, multicolored clothing, bare feet, so forth. Just like the one of Coy, they read me over the phone. It could have been a thousand people. I'll go talk to Pat. He might know something. There's this other thing that happened. Look. She brought out an old bank statement from shortly after Coy's alleged overdose for her account at the local Bank of America and pointed to a sum, or uh, pointed to a credit. Interesting sum. I called, I went in and talked to vice presidents and everybody insisted it was correct. Maybe you lost the deposit slip, did the math wrong. Ordinarily don't look a gift horse, you know, but this was creepy. They kept using exactly the same phrases over and over. I mean, talk about denial? You think it was something to do with Coy? It showed up so close to his his disappearance. I thought maybe somebody's idea of a payoff? Local 47, some insurance policy I didn't know about. I mean, you wouldn't expect it to be anonymous, would you? But here's this mute set of figures in a monthly statement and some obviously jive-ass story the bank came up with to explain it. Doc wrote the date of the deposit on a match cover and said, is there a picture of Coy you could spare? I love the little details about how kind of haphazard of a detective he is. Yeah, he doesn't have a notebook or anything. It's just like (laughs) little scraps of paper around. I do enjoy that a lot. Uh, Is there a picture of Coy you could spare? Was there. She pulled out a liquor store box full of Polaroids. Coy sleeping. Coy with a baby. Coy cooking heroin. Koi tying off, Koi shooting up, Koi under a shade tree pretending to cower away from a 454 big block Chev engine, Koi and Hope out on the beach, sitting in a pizza joint, playing tug of war with the last slice, walking down Hollywood Boulevard just as the street light was coming on. Help yourself. I should have probably thrown them all away a long time ago. Detach, right? Move on, hell. I'm always lecturing everybody else to. But Amy likes them. Likes when Louie looked through them. I'll tell her a little bit, uh, a little about each one, and she should have something anyhow when she gets older to remind her, don't you think? Me? <laughs> Doc remembers how Polaroids have no negatives and the life of the prince is limited. These, he noticed, were already beginning to shift color and fade. Sure, sometimes I'd like to have one for every minute. Rent, like, a warehouse? <laughs> she gave him one of those social worker looks. Well, that might be a little... 
Are you seeing like a therapist? She's more of a deputy DA, I guess. <laughs> no, I meant she picked up a handful of photos and was pretending to arrange them in some meaningful way, the gin hand of her brief time with Coy. Even if you don't know what you've got, she said slowly after a while, act sometimes like you do. She'll appreciate that, and even you'll be better for it. Doc nodded and picked up the first picture to hand, a shot of Coy holding his tenor, maybe taken during a gig, the lighting inexpensive, out-of-focus elbows and shirt sleeves and guitar necks poking in at the edges. Okay if I take this one? Without looking at it, Hope said, sure. Amethyst came running in, revved up. Here I am, she sang, to save the day. Do you know the Mighty Mouse theme song? Here he comes to save the day. Something like that? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, how are we on time? Probably around 20. Is that the end of the That's the end of a segment. Yeah, let's let's stay there. Okay. Uh, Yeah, 20 minutes, exactly. I think that these segments will be a little shorter than the Would you believe that we're already 12% through the book? Wow, this is going to, it's going to be shockingly short. I know. Okay. Crazy. Uh, uh, Doc receives an old fling Shasta late at night who tells him that his new her new boyfriend uh Wolf 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 Wolfman Wolfman a uh, Mickey Wolfman uh is under threat of being uh wrong done by his other associates uh including his ex-wife and possibly committed under false pretenses in order to get his yes. um Real estate empire. Yes. The next day, a Black Panthers uh, member whose name is... Tariq Khalil. Tariq Khalil uh, visits a doc in his office in a dentist's office uh, to tell him that he also has uh, reason to, to suspect uh, foul play surrounding Mickey uh, Wolfman uh, through the personage of a, a former white nationalist uh, gang member that he knew from the prison who is now... Uh, Mickey Wolfman's bodyguard. And he owes him something. Yes, he owes him He doesn't him say what. And so he's looking to chase down some unnamed, I believe unnamed, debt yes. from this bodyguard. Whose name was? Glenn Sherlock. Okay. Uh, so the next day, uh, Doc heads out to a new real estate development to look into this. Uh, and while asking questions at a massage parlor uh, slash brothel, uh, gets knocked out and wakes up in the center of an apparent kerfuffle um, with the LAPD around him as he has been uh, apparently framed for some kind of uh, violent altercation with Mickey a, Wolfman. A murder most foul. A murder most foul. In Glenn Sherlock. In which Glenn Sherlock was killed and Mickey Wolfman has now disappeared. Yes. Uh, the One of the head detectives, I, don't, I forget his actual rank, uh, who has previous business with Doc, uh, a known, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, f- fascist cop type character and aspiring actor, an aspiring actor named Bigfoot takes Doc for a ride downtown and it questions him about all of this in a very accusatory way. And then while driving him to a second private location, uh, it heavily leans on Doc to turn informant into the hippie underworld. Yes. The next day, uh, Doc, while resting his hangover in between two speakers, is called by a, another new woman who we just met, whose name Hope was Harlingen. Hope Harlingen, to uh, to do to discuss her apparently dead husband, who she secretly suspects suspects has just been disappeared by the name of Coy. Yes, and Coy a, apparently knows Shasta. Yes, which is, and then she she got. Uh, 
the information about Doc from uh, someone's head shop uh, in Gordita yes. Beach. Does that about cover it? I, it Here does. Here in episode four. You're right. You're all good. Um, what do you think? I mean, it's all, you know, it's it, it. everything is happening so much, right? Yes. Got all these individual cases, but they're tied together by a... Uh, something larger that yes, a, you can, Doc doesn't know what it is and he probably doesn't want to find out. But yes. He's going to somehow. Yes. I th- feel like I would like, I mean, we have a lot of uh, affections, affects of Doc, but we don't have much characterization. We don't have much self-motivation, but I guess that is kind of uh, the classic noir protagonist. Uh, you know, I feel like they're more, sometimes more fleshed out than not, but often uh, they exist in this kind of robotic like uh drivenness all they want is to get to the truth yes and as soon as a mystery is presented to them they kind of have to mechanically go through the motions yeah mechanically and and uh, and unemotionally go through the the uh motions of tracking it down and that's usually what makes them good is they uh they don't get involved you know they don't get involved until some leggy broad uh lays it on to a little too thick and even then how how uh emotionally involved are they anyway yes uh i just thought of something reread some of those philip marlowe books oh yeah was it's funny i was just thinking that um doc as a as a character of a detective you know rather than taking the constant swigs from the like whiskey glass on the desk he just rips rips joints yes uh roll the number that was a that was a new one i like roll the number want to roll a number Yes. God, uh, weed smoking skills used to be had. Uh, they needed to be so much more finely honed. Yes. Than they are now. Now you can just buy like a pre-made disposable vape and just vape your vape your heart out. Even uh, vaping used to be a a hobbyist. Yeah, you like had an to obsessive. like build a rig. You had to build a rig, and there were like you know, there's still a a contingent of like you know. V- vape modifiers and vapors rights they uh, must feel like the folk mu- movement when uh when rock and roll broke <laughs> the the old school vape riggers we were we were the rebels man yeah when we were we had to put in the work joan baez is punk rock is it joan baez or baez baez <sighs> joan bezor uh <laughs> anyway uh it's uh, I, i'll never get mad but um you know, we've come a long way from, especially if you don't have things like rolling papers or a bong, uh, carving various we were know, talking fruits to and a, nuts. A friend of ours yesterday about how uh, he was on a date with somebody, and you know, it, just the arc of emotions. Uh, our friend, our our friend is a marijuana enjoyer, and he was on a date with somebody who was like slowly revealing that there were maybe a little more conservative traditional values than he yeah. thought, and they were, and the other person was like, I don't. Uh, red flags for me or, or, or non-negotiables. I can't be with anybody who smokes. And he's like, okay, cool. I don't smoke. And she's like anything. And he's like, Oh, well, that's going to be a problem. And I, and he had to like, you know, admit that he sometimes smokes. Well, I was like, well, could you say that you would only ingest marijuana around her? <laughs> through the form of edibles? Yeah. What, what is the pro is the problem is with literal smoking? smoke? Is it yes. health? But you know, then I would argue problem? that uh, you're talking about two categorically different things about what your problem would be. Is it the intoxication or the inhalation and the annoyance of the smoke? Because cigarettes for the annoyance of the smoke and the health problems are non-intoxicating. Yes. So if you have a a problem with that, if you don't, if your problems with the smoke, then, uh, you know. 
Yeah. You wouldn't have a problem with with Classic marijuana use. Bind. But if your problem is with the intoxication, well, then it shouldn't be a problem if I smoke. If I have a or have a gummy, so you got to choose. Yeah, you know, it is, it is. so maybe it ultimately your problem is not with smoking either tobacco or marijuana. Your problem is being annoyed, and you Did have she, a zero, a non-negotiable yeah. tolerance with being annoyed. And I'm sorry, you're simply not going to be, be able to exist in a relationship if you have a non-negotiable level intolerance for uh, being annoyed, because it is simply a matter of finding the person who annoys you in the right ways. <laughs> Amen, sister. No, also not in the not in the great state of California where, uh, uh, you know, there's a dispensary on every corner. That's not true. Yeah, a, a, dis- <laughs> a a dispensary in every garage, and a gummy in every pot. We uh, it was before we lived here, but we went to a dispensary, and I asked, uh, just because usually I I feel like I go into a dispensary and I don't quite like I you know I have a shopping list. I'm kind of like. I'm not really exploring the space and I'm not really the type of person to be like, what new flower do you, do you have in man? But I did ask the bud tender. Uh, I was like, do you, what is like, what's the like most, what's the craziest product you have in here? Like what, what's like, what's the most unique or like, what's the most kind of like out of pocket thing do you think you carry? And the guy, you know, kind of thought for a minute. He's like, we used to have suppositories. <laughs> he's like, no, we don't have those in stock. And I was like, Oh, and he's like, yeah, I never really understood uh, the need for those uh, unless you want something that, you know, is smokeless and zero calorie. <laughs> like, yeah, I guess if you're really watching if, your figure, even a like, you know, you know 10, 10 calorie gummy is yeah. going to be too much, too rich for your blood. So time to put it, put it uh, elsewhere. Anyway, I, I was kind of like, oh, damn, I wish they I wish they had the suppository. Uh, see, now I would I like to, to go to our, vinti- our, our, our dispensary and start asking them about, I would like a, a real a real vintage style weed. weed. I want some Maui Wowie, but yeah. I want 60s strength. I mean, I, to me, it sounds like from at least the chatter on the internet is that there is white space for d- dirt weed. I believe uh, there is even a uh, company that advertises on podcasts that fills the space called dad grass oh okay there you go uh but i i can't quite tell if they actually traffic in thc and if you can even do that oh or if it's just like if it's like a cbd joint hemp Hemp. so i don't know uh yeah this might complicate i i really want to get a sponsor for some uh, uh upcoming pod products uh, and I was at thinking of asking the Camino Gummies company mm-hmm. if they'd sponsor it, but I wonder if it's illegal to advertise marijuana in something that is trans you might, uh, state. Yeah, and, you might have national. to like state gate it. Um, you, I mean, I know when they do. So, okay, I think I know we're getting a little off topic and rambly here, but I, you know, I was just listening to Stav's podcast and he does the fucking DraftKings mm-hmm. ads, and then at the end of them, he has it's so oh a really long script, script about, about all the yeah, limitations. It's very funny listening to Stav very enthusiastically pitch uh, gambling uh, on the Ravens and then very, very uh, apathetically ri- and quickly ramble off the, if you have a gambling problem, if you have a gambling problem, fucking call me. Don't they like list it like state by state? Yes. Yeah. In New York is blah, 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 and New Jersey. It's really, it's funny, but it's also very fucked up. But anyway, I would do that to advertise uh, Camino Gummies. You know, it's. I feel like people complain about you know the you know conservatives complain about like the nanny the nanny state right yeah isn't that more nanny state than anything else that we have right now 
is advertising a product or to have having the existence of a service that is legal to do and in, legal to advertise and legal to advertise. But then you have to do a bunch of things that ever that it's like if you see a billboard sometimes in gambling states and it'll literally be like free chi- like chips if you show up before yeah. six. And then in like as equal size le- thing font size, it's like if you have a gambling product problem, please call. I'm just like, which is it? Yes. Which is it, bro? I do think that anything that's provenly addictive to any mem- uh, size of the population, mm. you should it should just be illegal to advertise. I, I think I would agree with that. But the problem that, is those things are the most lucrative and have the most ad money. Well, people are going to find them anyway. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, it's not like if you stop advertising, you know, whiskey, people are going to stop drinking whiskey. Right. Or I don't know. Maybe they will. <laughs> Who knows? The next generation might might yeah. not know about brown liquor. It could be a whole it's thing. It's true. I mean, we grew up in a time when you could still advertise uh, when Joe Camel still exists. Do you have a living memory of uh, seeing Joe Camel ads and things? Very, very fuzzy. And I think it was almost like, I believe I grew up, it, by the time I was old enough to read magazines that had smoking ads in them, everything was very abstracted. Yes. Like, I, I don't even know if they were able to show lit cigarettes. Yes. I think that you would see people holding them, an unlit cigarette in their fingers, and then it gradually dissolved to like, maybe you just saw the like pack. A, like three girls smiling it's in three a car. Three girls smiling in like a pack of Winstons or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, yeah, it's, it's like kind of crazy to think I about. I associate mentally Joe Camel with Fruitopia. Yeah. Because I think that those two things existed somewhat simultaneously. Remember mm. Fruitopia? I do. Oh, man. Anyway, are we? What, are, what else are we talking about in Hair and Vice? Oh, I do. I guess I, I don't want to always bring up the difference between the movie and the book, but they really did treat the moment where Hope Harlingen shows the photo of her heroin That's one of the best baby. moments of the movie. It, it's so different. It's much more subdued and kind of, you know, uh, thoughtful and uh, grim in the book. And it's played for kind of a grotesque comedy in the movie yes. where you know, Joaquin Phoenix sees the photo and you, you don't, the audience doesn't see the photo and he just screams and then, and then immediately composes himself and then neither of them reacts to what he just did. Uh, Uh, Yeah. I mean the, the, you know, the handshake between this and an infinite jest of course is the, uh, the kind of comedic grimness of, uh, of, of hardcore addiction. Yes. Yeah. And you know, I don't know the uh, the transition from the end of the sixties to the seventies of uh, you know weed and acid to yeah. speed and heroin. I mean, I would say that it's a very familiar theme on this uh, pod across our things. That that one sentence that she says about um, you know, it's just you trade the infinite amount of of uncertainties mm-hmm. of a middle class bourgeois lifestyle to the the one very reliable certainty of the next score. Yeah. You know? I feel like I've literally just read that similar sentiment somewhere else and I can't remember. I uh the place where we were staying had a lot of uh books about <laughs> books about addiction and I read um Beautiful Boy which is David Chef's book about do you, do you know this at all? No. I feel like it hit the I'm Oprah circuit with the, with the Beautiful Boy. This sounds like a there's Oprah a journalist loves uh, things about people finding beauty and recovery. Yeah, it w- he this man was a journalist in the Bay Area, and he had a son who was like you know bright and oh, uh, friendly. Yeah, and, I have. Heard and then of he this. kind of almost immediately once he hit adolescence descended into addiction, specifically to crystal meth, uh-huh. and so he wrote about it. And then uh, his son also wrote a memoir as well. And 
I think there was something in there just like, you know, the simplification of life to just, you know, instead of having 20 things that you think about, you know, your friends and loved ones and a career and responsibilities. It's like, nope, just buying drugs, please. Yeah. Um, do you think when Oprah invites somebody, specifically somebody shilling a drug memoir uh, on her club and book club, for when like when she was still doing the show, uh, when they would like come in and be in the green room, she'd like come in and meet them before the show and be like, "Hi, it's so glad to have you on. It's going to be a great show. I just want to go over a few things and like walks in their dressing room and closes the door behind behind her and then just like hand on their throat immediately is like, "You're not making this shit up, are you? If you're making this shit up." And I find out about it, I won't just kill you. I'll kill your whole family. I want. I wonder everyone you ever met. I wonder how um, how her staff might have changed, like fact checking wise, after the um, James Frey million little pieces thing. Which I don't know if if you're listening to this podcast, if you know or remember, that was when there was a man. If you don't, I, I, I find it hard to believe anybody who's listening to this podcast doesn't remember the James yeah. Frey million. Little you never know, thing. though. There's lots of gaps in in knowledge. Uh, but this is a man who wrote essentially a fictional a, a novel, uh, resold it as a memoir, and it was a memoir about addiction and uh, you know, be you know, being an alcoholic and a drug addict, and uh, it it got I believe it was in the actual Oprah's book club. Wait, wait, wait. I actually, maybe I didn't know this back backstory. When he first wrote the story, he did he write it as a novel or did he initially like sell a memoir and he just like really, really embellished his memoir or had he written a novel and I was like, you know was what, this will sell better. I thought it was written as like a like novel style t- fudging of his life and then it wasn't selling and then, and then it was like, you know what does sell a is memoir. memoir. I mean, it is fucking true that uh you could write the most beautiful book ever and people would be like who the fuck cares and you could and then you could be like uh this actually happened and people would be like holy fucking shit this book uh yeah exactly sorry i'm just i'm pulling uh i think this is a doubts on its authenticity uh the original uh revealers of the inaccuracies and fudging of uh a million little pieces was the smoking gun Ooh, wow Remember that's some s- that's some real like first second term bush for first term obama the, stuff the smoking gun uh you know pu- it's funny publishing is so such a weird industry because you want these literally sensational stories right yeah because sex sells, trauma sells, like all the this is these is the juicy stuff that people want, the tough stuff. And then I feel like there seem like there are an outsized number of situations where people are lying or fabricating or plagiarizing. It ha- like I feel like it, it once a year there's a publishing scandal. The do you remember the last one? It's not lying or plagiarizing, but there was a woman who wrote a novel about a Mexican woman doing a border crossing. Yes. And, and she, she marketed herself Irish. as an immigrant. <laughs> and she's an Irish or her parents. She's like oh, the child of so immigrants. Good. Yes. And her, by, like, as, as uh, the, the harrowing account of crossing the U S Mexico border as, as told as related by a genuine child of immigrants, Irish immigrants, Irish immigrants. In, or wait, twenty twenty. Or, or is she mar- Was she married to an Irish immigrant? Something like that. It was just you know, it's one of those things where I feel like you know, you either need to just like throw your full weight against something being just a good story. You can't be doing these little fudgy things because people are going to know. Yes, they're going to find out. And they're I, gonna get mad. Uh, 
I'm not mad. I'm actually laughing. Both of these things are very funny to me. At the end of the day, similar to at the end Nepo of the day, babies, is the book good? Yes, that's what I was literally oh, yeah, about I'm to sorry say. To step on you, yeah. No, the, just like Nepo babies, I don't care who their parents are as long as they are good. Is uh, the content good? If the book is good, I kind of don't care who the wrote content. it. Somebody was going off on this the, yesterday and today of uh, because it's the anniversary of 9/11. Uh, happy, it, happy anniversary 9/11. to those who celebrate. Uh, <laughs> forgetful, forgetful, not never forget, never forgetting. Yes. Um, about Nick, how somebody was claiming that Nick Kroll would, you know, only owes his success to, uh, his dad yeah. being like a, a, uh, a high level, like business investigator for yeah. the, what, whatever. And I'm, and I'm like, I'm sorry, dude, Nick Kroll has the goods. Have you, se- have you stuff. seen him perform? He is a good performer. Yes. I, I don't, Doubt that having a, a rich dad very much helped, probably in the sense of uh, clearing obstacles for him uh, concentrating on being a comedic uh, comedian. But uh, I don't think that you get that in with that crowd and that level of consistent performance without having the chops. And again, just go watch the league. He's funny. Yes. Well, yeah. Am I missing something? He's, you know, yes. he's funny. I mean, you, you've you've lost the plot if you are if you are not if you can't acknowledge the comedic skill of a of a of a Nick Kroll. I mean, that sketch group. Please don't destroy. Yeah. One of the kids is Hurley's yes. Tim Hurley's chi- child. Yes. Who is an SNL writer and now the, they're on well, SNL. Well, I do. I do think, Again, I think. I think they're. I think they're good. They're good. Uh, I do think it is very specific. It's it's funnier and much more eyebrow raising to be generationally linked to the one institution of SNL. Yeah. Like if that kid had like, again, not to trash this kid, I think please don't destroy, destroy our a totally uh, uh, fine SNL video product hey, they, manufacturers. They, they did our favorite uh, video sketch. The uh, this is water. Uh, they do treating, uh, yes, treating it like uh, an NFL game. So. Yes, that is. The, uh, and that is probably the best DFW related video sketch that I've seen in the last decade. So mm-hmm. uh, kudos to them. But it is very funny to not just be a comedian, not just go into comedy, not just do try to do something similar, but like literally generationally get be a second generational generation SNL cast member. Yes. Or sta- staff writer, but yeah. Or staff is, he, is he a cast member? I actually don't know what his, I forget. His well, I don't know what the distinctions are. I mean, it's also people. funny because unlike, you know, say, I don't know, like the Harvard lampoon, which has existed yeah. for however many years. I actually don't know how long the Harvard lampoon has existed, but I assume it's for several generations now. 16, maybe founded 1639. <laughs> the John, John Harvard uh, made a, made a, qu- a quip. Mm. Yes. And someone said, write that, write, write that, that down. down, write oh, that down. My old Mr. Harvard, he's lampooning oh, somebody again. <laughs> he's done a lampoon. We must put this in print. Uh, it's just funny to have generational things on SNL, something that has existed since 1975. Yeah, exactly. You know? But you got to start somewhere. Yes. You got to start your legacy somewhere. And hopefully Brian Hurley's kid can, uh, you know, eventually graduate and make some movie or something. I think they are making a movie right now. Does Lauren Michaels have children? Good question. And I don't think I've ever heard of them. I Maybe in my distant comedy knowledge he has like a daughter you know if i had to guess i'd say one daughter you know what i was thinking was crazy i know we've gotten off track but whatever that's what podcasting is for uh what what track uh leonardo dicaprio being having no children is interesting to me i i 
from what I have heard from the rumors, I imagine he is very uh, disciplined and fastidious with his fucking. He uh, he might have uh, taken care, you know, he might have done a little uh, snip, 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 chop, chop. Uh, you know, life finds a way. Um, but especially if you're trying to get get a baby out of Leonardo DiCaprio, maybe that's why all those 20, 20 year olds keep keep taking the swing is is being like maybe I'll be the one who gets the DiCaprio child. I was uh, so I I continually see slander of Leonardo DiCaprio's dating choices on the TL. Uh, to which I say, a this is he. What what do we know about Leonardo DiCaprio? He's 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 a nut he's a nothing man. He's a he's a complete void that he just becomes characters for movies. He's the perfect actor. He's the he is the best actor of his generation in that way. Do you have an, a, another idea for who might be a better actor than Leonardo DiCaprio in his generation? I would guess you would have to broaden out generation. I think Joaquin might. It's him and Joaquin who are really like giving each other the run for the money. I was just thinking about like the range of guys that Joaquin has been able to do. Yeah. Whereas Leonardo DiCaprio basically seems to be playing kind of like G shucks like men. Yeah. He does more of a variation on themes, but Joaquin Mm. has been like truly all over the, all over the map. You ever watch I'm not there. The, is that what it's called? The, when he kind of did his like performance art thing. Oh yeah. You said he was going to be a rapper. That's probably a real relic of its time by now. We should watch it. Yeah, it's probably it would probably give me the fear. I remember, yeah, I remember that that giving me like seeming embarrassing. Yeah, but that was before he had done like a half dozen of his iconic roles. Yeah, I guess that that's the interesting thing is that he kind of act. I feel like he was kind of acting like a crazy person. Yeah, but, but that, it, and maybe even before he had earned it. Like yes. I think that that was like before her, before the master, the master. before Joker, which like. You know, I don't think is a, a, I think is a pretty stupid movie, but I, you know, for what he is asked to do, he's really fucking selling it. It's treating him as a, yeah. you know, before inherent vice. Yeah, that's, uh, didn't Joaquin do another insane role like last year that I'm totally uh, forgetting. Bo, well, he just did Bo is afraid. Bo is afraid. Um, I need to see that. Anyway, we're real off topic on this. Oh, uh, and of course he was Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash. So th- uh, yeah, it's almost like his career is split between the early, you know, promising young actor thing and then kind of post whatever that was, which I don't even totally know. I just read a little bit about it. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, somebody DM us as if I'm not there is worthwhile. I'm still here. I'm not there. I believe. Is that the Bob Dylan one? Yeah, that's the Bob Dylan one where 10 people, maybe even like- he w- was one of the people who played the Bob Dylan in that. I'm still the classic, uh, classic, um, name, name yeah. blindness. Yeah, the first thing he did after he did I'm Still Here was The Master. Yeah, and then so since whatever then his happened run, worked. His run has been like impeccable. But I guess the thing is Casey Affleck directed I'm Still Here and uh, he's not a good guy, mm, is he? No. He's a he's a he's a little you Somebody know. another thing that somebody pulled up on Twitter uh today that the in 30 Rock the movie The Roll Juror is supposed to be directed by C Affleck. Really? Yeah. <laughs> 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 a, uh, they Thirty Rock still revealing great details. Oh yeah, uh, his uh his lawsuits filed for his be- alleged behavior were from the set of I'm Still Here. Oh. So uh, the curse, vibe. very cursed product. The vibes, the vibes are off. Would you be surprised to learn that we've now gone twenty seven minutes on top of the twenty minutes of reading? We do just we do just talk. Sorry, we haven't hopped on mic in a long time. We've yeah. got a lot of rambles pent up. We're back on track. 
We're back. Now. We're back. We've, we we've know- left the boulevards of regret and we're on the freeway now, baby. Yes. But I, ha- I hate to inform you, dear listener, that uh, four of the next weekends we are traveling. So uh, who knows what we'll try to bring. We'll bring the gear with us and try to keep going yeah. on this. But, yeah. uh, you know, four out of four of the next weekends we are on the road to in some capacity or the other. So uh, see you from. Uh, all literally all over the country um yeah for our next broadcast anyway yeah. more inherent vice soon we'll see where this crazy story unfolds Whoa. uh roll a number roll a number <laughs>